This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio. So some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Good evening. You are listening to Love Sport Radio. Me, Matt Beadle, with you through to 11pm this evening. Right now, it is time for our Crystal Palace fan show. Yes, I'm here, joined as ever by the boys from the Back of the Nest podcast, James, DR and Nick. Guys... A 2-0 defeat to Leicester at the weekend. As I said before we started the show, no great shakes really when you consider just how formidable Leicester have been this season. Absolutely. Um, It was always going to be a tough game for sure. Um, I still felt we um, might have got something out of it. and I think we did create one or two chances. Tight first half. uh, Chances either way. But I think the quality of Leicester shone through especially in the second half. Um, and they're in the position they are because they're a very, very good side. And I think that's where we should be aiming for. We should be aiming to, and I think Roy knows this, that um, we's got to, he's, he's got to deal with the hand he's been dealt. And I think we haven't got enough quality in our side and that's what where we need to improve. And then once we have, then we can start saying, yep, we can maybe compete in the top 10. Oh, just a very quick score update. Thank you. I'm getting alerts in the studio. <laughs> yes. I love that, Nick. It's brilliant. Uh, Chelsea have just gone behind at home to Ajax. And a man who's scoring plenty of goals this season, Tammy Abraham, has put one into his own net. So Chelsea nil, Ajax one. And I believe we have another... What, what's that, producer, Mike? Chelsea have also got a penalty. So they've gone right down the other end. And it'll be interesting if Tammy Abraham steps up to put that away. We will keep you updated with all those Champions League scores as they come in. I have to say, the other, just responding to that one there, from me, the, the response to the game has actually been more about, like you say about Leicester, has been more about how good Leicester were than rather the frailties in Palace. Yeah, because Leicester are a better side than Palace. Um, I mean, you look at the side and you look at the confidence that Brendan Rodgers have given to them. I mean, you saw it with the second goal, the players, the, the freedom that they did have and the movement was just uh, brilliant. And we haven't seen that at Palace for a very long time. The last time I actually could 
remember us playing like the way Leicester did, especially for the second goal, was against Leicester in that 5-0 victory when we had Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Johan Kabay. So, I mean, Leicester are a great side and normally I would leave the stadium very angry, but I wasn't because going into this game, I was more nervous about facing Leicester than actual Arsenal. And, I mean, they deserved it and hats off to them. Yeah, it was pretty much just the one effort on target. I believe the speculative Jeffrey Schlupp effort yeah. that looped over and Kasper Schmeichel, listen, probably could have put his hat on it, but tipped it over. But apart from that, no real threat on the Leicester goal. Well, that, that was the difference. I think it's confidence. I've never seen a team with as much movement as Leicester did. Perhaps Man City before they switched off after going 2-0 up a few weeks ago. But right through the whole game, they they, they didn't stop. They didn't stop moving. There were always one or two people to pass to. They look like a team who are really, really confident and know that they're going to finish high up in the table. They've got that belief about them. Even the supporters have got that belief. We were sick when we started the game, I think. No, yeah. we, we, were, we were ninth after uh, oh, the weekend. Oh, yeah, results, after yeah. We, we dropped. We didn't play like a team that had the confidence that started off the weekend in six. We looked unsure. We had players, the ball was pinging off of them rather than controlling it. PVA did it two or three times. Kuarty should have controlled the ball a couple of times and let Leicester in. So it's really weird that we're that high in the table, unexpectedly, but we've not got the confidence to go with it. And I think that was a big difference. Yeah, I understand that. But I mean, even when we were sixth, I don't think we were playing that great uh, no. in terms of our football. And that's was the most surprising thing because people were acting like we were. I mean, we had the same approach at home that we had last season, but the fact is that we were actually scoring goals at home compared to last season when we weren't. So it's not like nothing has changed. It's not like anything has changed at Palace for us to say, all right, look, we've improved and that's why we're in sixth place. It's the, it's the fact that we were more clinical in front of goal and we've always been a decent defensive side, but now we're actually conceding very silly goals and it's, you could see the cracks. Um, I mean, where we are right now, I think we're ninth. It's more realistic and um, than what was where we were before in sixth place because we've actually placed, played more like a team that's ninth place than sixth. I felt it was a bit of a backward step to last season, actually, because I think we've all been discussing here, you know, how much more positive we felt the team were this season compared to last. It was so negative and it was very boring and... Yeah, Leicester are a really good side, but I felt that we weren't positive enough. Um, we had a lot of defensive-minded players in the midfield. We've got playmakers, uh, new players that haven't even got on into the team uh, that were, were on the bench, that are supposed to be exciting players with a good reputation. Um, and I came away thinking, do you know what? I really hope we're not going to go back to how we were playing at home last season, and that really concerns me. But, I mean... As I said, we haven't really played any creative players. So when we're thinking of creative players, I guess you're thinking of Victor Camarasa and Max Meyer. They haven't really played this season as much in the first place. So I, so what, what's the reason for that then? Because I have to say that I was doing a show on Saturday night on Love Sport and we had a caller from Palace who mm. brought Victor Camarasa up. Mm. And I actually forgotten. I've forgotten yeah. about Victor Camarasa. <laughs> like, where is he? Exactly. Um, it's just the fact that Roy, it doesn't fit into Roy's system. Um, but then why sign him? Well, that's a that's a question you have to ask the sporting director. I mean, uh, Roy, did, did Roy he Hod sign him? Huh? Did Roy sign him? Exactly. Did Roy? <laughs> but I mean, he probably did have a say in a signing itself. But it's clear what signings were Roy's and what uh, and who weren't. You look at Gary Cahill and McCarthy. Both of them have had their chances, and you can see there's a real connection between uh, Roy and uh, and them two. But with players like Max Meyer and Victor Camarasa, you could tell that it's not Roy's 
type of signing. So it's a bit confusing. It's like, of course, the manager has a say, but then again, why is he not giving them a chance? Well, apparently, I've, I've heard that Roy, Roy said at a sporting dinner at Sellers once that he tells the people upstairs what sort of player he wants and what position, and they'll come back and say, well, we've got this bloke, this bloke, and this bloke. Um, the Camerata thing's a bit of a mystery because he was supposed to be mustard. Yeah, um, I mean, he was good for Cardiff. Uh, very good. Especially for... When he, when he actually came into Palace, I was looking at our side comparing to Cardiff, um, thinking we've got a better side than Cardiff City. So, I mean, if you put him into our side, you could actually get more goals and more assists maybe out of him. But he hasn't really gotten the chance. Um, I, I know... I think it was a game against Colchester at home, did he play? I know yeah. Max Meyer played that game, but everyone was abysmal in that game. Other than that, you, we've seen McCarthy come off the bench a couple of times, but we've never seen Victor Camarasa. And McCarthy Ma- looks all right though when he comes off the bench. Maya looked rubbish off the bench, I thought on Saturday. Yeah, I know, but I mean, the thing I was talking about that yesterday on the review show pod. Yes, he did look rubbish, and but so did everyone else on the pitch. And but maybe that would have been a good time for him to shine and put himself forward to show Roy how he should start ahead of maybe Jeffrey Schlupp, but he didn't understand that. But, I mean, with Victor Camarasa, I honestly don't see a future uh, for him at Palace unless there's uh, major injuries um, because it's clear that he's not he's not even in game week uh, in the squad most of the times. Well, the fact that James McArthur, he's, uh, he's got to be careful now, <laughs> yeah, he he's, do, yeah. um, has got a back problem that he exacerbated when he went off. I think McCarthy comes Saturday. in. You, yeah. saw, you saw what happened. Yeah, McCarthy there. will yeah. come in there. Um yeah, it's getting the chance. It's, it, it's a real mystery. I've heard that Camarasa wants to go in January. Well, he had a cryptic message, I mean, um, after the game on Twitter. He said something about don't stress, do your best, and something like that. Like, he posted it on Twitter. I don't know what that means, but I, I would be frustrated as well. If you're but, not scoring goals, if you're not creating chances, and you're that player that could do that, and you're not getting the opportunity, then why won't you be annoyed? But then you've got another Spanish player, uh, Vicente Gaeta, who wasn't in the team a lot last season, who was still sending out lots of good positive tweets and really showing that he he felt part of the team. Are we getting but are we getting the, that kind of thing from Camarasa or not? I think with Camarasa, he's getting completely excluded from the squad. Whereas Vicente Gaeta, at least he was involved with the squad at the start of the season, and maybe he didn't start. But as the season went on, he got his chances. I think it's different with a goalkeeper and out, um, and an outfielder. You, you look at. Victor Camarasa, he's looking at our team struggle and going forward, so he's more likely to be frustrated. I think um, one thing you've got to realise here that w- because we've been doing so well, it's unlikely that Roy's going want to change the team and the positions and the players. So it's going to take something like this and a defeat or a couple of defeats at home, which what we, which is what we've had, and maybe an injury like James McArthur in the midfield to to actually bring in somebody afresh. So. Although we might be thinking that, yeah, play him, play him, play him, well, you'd be pretty annoyed if you were dropped from a winning side and or dropped from a 2-2 draw away at Arsenal. So I think there is a, a degree where you have to realise the manager's, you know, he doesn't want to ups- upset the apple cart. We're doing very well. We're in the top 10. We're probably punching above our weight. We've had some difficult games like Arsenal away and West Ham away. We've won. So... I think now that there is a, we're having a bit of a wobble. Let's call it. It's still early days. We're in the top I, I, ten. I contend the, the the wobble. No, we we knew we were going to have this wobble yeah. because you remember we we when we were in fourth, we said look at our next games. Sorry, we were in sixth, and our next games were the five teams yeah. above us. We've got a point off Arsenal. Um, I thought we'd get a point off Leicester. We're going to go on a run. Are fans going to you know we got Chelsea. 
international break. Then we've got Liverpool. If we don't win those two, are people going to get on Roy's back well, unfairly, I think? Well, realistically, I, I, I don't see us... I wouldn't think we would we would get anywhere at Chelsea next, next week. And I think Liverpool, we won't get anything out of it. I think we'll be lucky to get something out of that game. Well, also, with but, your point, uh, with us, um, you know, how we were doing so good and you don't really drop players... But don't you think Victor Camarasa deserves more than five minutes of play this season? Oh, That's in the Premier yeah. League. He's only had five minutes of uh, to show himself. I, I, I know he had the we had the EFL Cup against um, Colchester, but it's still not enough. I mean, he could have came on as a substitute in a couple of them games, even for ten minutes or something. I mean, the whole season only five minutes. That's just crazy. Yeah, I, I definitely think that there is a strong argument for him to have come on on Sunday. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, Maya has had the opportunity on more than one occasion to do his stuff. And he is infrequently, he doesn't do it. Um, we all know that. And especially if he starts a game, we, we have a, a weak link in the team. Um, Camaras, the, the, the game I felt was crying out for early substitutions once again, and it, it didn't happen. And this is going back to how I feel about Roy's sort of going back to how he was doing things last season. And it was negative, defensive minded. Very, very late substitutions. And that is what we had on Sunday, and that's what worries me. Yes, I kind of agree with you there. But we weren't doing too bad. And why change it if we're not doing too bad? Maybe maybe change it to, to change the style we're playing. I was surprised with the subs. I really thought PVA was going to come off. He was having a shocking game. Right. He made one really good tackle. The rest of the time, he was just That's lost. I watched him all game. He was a player I watched, and he he just seemed to be out of position, couldn't control the ball. All right, he had a couple of foraging runs and made a really, really good last gasp tackle, but stick schlop there. Um, I mean, come on now. I mean, Jeffrey Schlop didn't have a good game himself. So it's, it's like you're... You're taking off one player and then you're putting another bad player in a left-back position. I mean, Jeffrey Schlupp, we've seen it with Roy Hodgson at Palace. He doesn't like Jeffrey Schlupp playing left-back and he's made him more of a central midfielder, which is it sounds crazy, especially when he's talked to Leicester fans. They, they can't believe it. But Jeffrey Schlupp's position isn't left-back at Palace, especially under Roy Hodgson. So that's our issue going into the season. The right-back position was an issue. I think it was main concern. But also the left-back position because we've got no depth there. And let's say something does happen to Van Aanholt, Who's going to play there? I'm a bit concerned because Martin Kelly has been out of the team and ever since he's been out of the team, we've been struggling in the defence. Mm. Yep, indeed. Good start to the show, fellas. Plenty more to dissect, <laughs> I think. Yeah. And quite interesting what you said with regards to Roy Hodgson and the fact that he tells the guys upstairs what he wants. For me, that's a quite a sad indictment of modern football, isn't it? Especially for a manager who is 72 years old now. Someone that you'd think would want to identify his own players. And the fact that he goes up there and says, this is the type of player that I want... Who knows what he's going to get back in this instance? Like you say, Max Mayer, who hasn't really produced the goods. It doesn't surprise me. Victor Camarasa wants to leave in January. I think the same happened with Patrick Bamford, didn't it? He decided that he wanted to go yeah. back having just he, never scored a goal. He just wasn't very good. We didn't miss him, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, he had his opportunity. But yeah, as Nick said, he didn't really perform. I mean, he, One of my yeah. favourite moments was when he came back for Norwich and was even more inept for them than he was he, for us. He probably touches hair more than a ball. Yeah. They're thinking yeah. about it. Anyway. But he's, he's doing it for Leeds now, so fair play. He yeah. is kind of doing it for Leeds. <laughs> yeah, he speaks to some Leeds fans and they're not so sure there's the whole Nketiah-Banford argument. Anyway, Crystal Palace fan show on Lost Spot. John Salako coming up. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. 
It is the Crystal Palace fan show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, stepping in for Charlie Hawkins for one week only, joined by the guys from the Back of the Nest podcast, James DR and Nick. Coming up is John Salako. But before we get to him, chaps, I just want to quickly touch on Vincente Guaita. Guaita. It's always one of those tough names to pronounce, (laughs) isn't it? Uh, Back in the starting lineup, of course, Wayne Hennessy had come in. A decent keeper, Guaita, right? He's got he's got the credentials, but I think the first time that he was playing with Cahill, was it first time he'd set up with that centre back partnership? Is that correct? Uh, no, he's he's played um, with Cahill before, but he picked up an injury. Uh, but I mean, this season, if you're looking at um, top performers, I think Vicente Guaita is up there. Um, there's been so many games where I'm convinced that if he didn't play, then we wouldn't have picked up points most noticeably the West Ham game where I think it was the first half where he just made a couple of incredible saves due to our poor defensive errors and he covered for us and I mean you're looking at the last two games and the Arsenal game where we conceded from corners and I'm not saying that Vicente Gaeta would have helped us but it's just his presence in the team going into the game and seeing Vicente Gaeta start there instead of Wayne Hennessy it boosts I think the fans going into the game, we are way more confident, well, I am anyways, with the centre guy to go. And I think also the back line as well, because he's a confident goalkeeper. And, I mean, every game that he plays, he just showed that it's, we got him for basically nothing. Now. He did have one hen moment, though, didn't he? The ball came floating across and he came out for it. I'm doing the actions for the people watching on YouTube. <laughs> and he just totally misjudged it. I think it went out for a goal kick in the end, but... He was. T- it's the first time I've seen him lost. Yeah, I mean, every player has to do a mistake once yeah, in a while. Yeah. Even like yeah. the Messi's, they, they was, misplace a pass as well now and then. Such, such but, a Hennessy mistake, though. I mean, he's been watching Hennessy over the last couple of games, so <laughs> I don't blame him. <laughs> okay, well, I wonder what John Solarco thinks about the goalkeeping situation at Crystal Palace. He is on the line now. Of course, nine years' service for the Eagles across the 80s and 90s. John, thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Great to have you on. We've just been talking about Guaita, the goalkeeper, back this weekend to replace Wayne Hennessy. And the general consensus in the studio is that when he's playing, there's a bit more self-assurance in that defence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Wayne's a tremendous keeper and, you know, he's got the height and he makes the saves. But I just I think there's more personality about Guaita. And, you know, he seems to dominate the back four. He's... You know, he, his distribution is fantastic. He's just got an energy and a buzz. And I I honestly, I just, you know, think the team and the back four get, like, just a confidence off him. And I think the crowd get that as well. I was there on Sunday and I, he, was, he was fantastic. He really was. And I, I just think he's, a, you know, as big as Wayne is and as good as he is, he, he great has just got more presence. He's just got something about him. And... You know, at times you just feel he's not going to concede. But even if he does, you know, you're going to have to do something special to beat him. So, you know, he's a fantastic guy and, uh, you know, he's, he's doing tremendously well. Hello, John. You've, you've you had nine years service. I'm on my 44th. So, you know, think yourself lucky. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, hey, listen, you know, I came through at, uh, you know, I came through at 14. You're counting from 14 to, to 26, you know, so... You know, and, and, you know, sort of 14 to 50, really. So I've never left Palace. So I've, I've, I've been there right with you. Always nice. in your heart. Um, what, what difference does it make to a defence if they're, they're happier with the goalkeeper? I know it's a pretty obvious question, but does it really make that much difference? And how does that affect the midfield and then forwards? Oh, it does. Um, there's, there's a few things. I mean, there's certain keepers. I mean, Wayne's very quiet. Um, he's got. He's fabulously talented. He's big and 
But Wayne, Wayne's sort of more of an introverted character and you always want him, you know, when I was there and, and what you want him to do is, is talk a bit more, be a bit more outward going. You know, it used to be that keepers were a little bit crazy back in the day, weren't they? Just a little and, bit, and John, probably yeah. The one that, yeah, the one that broke the mould was, I suppose, Nigel Martin, the best keeper I ever played with. But, you know, you want someone behind you that you know is going to come for crosses, he's going to dominate, he's brave, you know, his positioning's good. And when he needs to make saves, you're going to have to do something special to beat him. And he keeps you in the game. You saw that at West Ham. Um, I think, you know, the lad that came in for Fabianski, you know, just against Newcastle was just, you know, he's got doubts and he's not he's not quite at his best. But there was times on, on Sunday against Leicester where Greater just makes decisions. He just comes early. Like you could see Vardy was on the shoulder and you've got to trust him, you know, like if you're Tom Kins and... You, um, Cahill, you've got to hold that line, and you've got to be know that if it, if it, if they slip it through, what they want is Tulemans and, and Madison are going to try and slide those balls through for for Vardy to get onto, and he, his decision making and his positioning was was fantastic, and you know he snuffed stuff out, and we stayed in the game. Whereas you can see the sloppy goal or an easy goal, it just destroys your confidence and your morale, and you know it, it's a bit like the other end, you know. Really, if you know someone's going to score you goals, um, you know you go out there with the belief that you do. You keep a clean sheet and you you work your socks off, and you know righty or brighty or AU's going to nick you a goal. And that's what we've got to get back in Christian Benteke and and, and Connor Wickham or AU. I know AU's doing well at the moment. He's got four goals, but you know we want a striker that's scoring you know sort of twelve, fifteen, eighteen goals, and and that will see you know Palace just in a different in a in a different light really at the moment we'll win a few we'll lose a few and then hopefully won't have too much of a struggle so it, it's difficult John it's James Hyde there um, I'm just Hi. wondering as a as an ex well a talented midfielder a creative midfielder attacking midfielder you were um, how would you feel about being in the squad because we're concerned or some of us are concerned that you know Roy tends to play a very sort of defensive uh, midfield. We're always sort of pretty much on the back foot looking to counter-attack and we're relying on sort of you know, maybe one striker scoring goals. Uh, you know, we're not really playing enough creative midfielders and taking enough chances just to sort of liven it up a bit, maybe try and be a bit yeah. more positive at home. You know, yourself was a player that really livened up things at Palace um, and uh, had a great career, obviously. But, you know... I, as a player, ex-player yourself in that position, how would you feel playing for the for the, the team at this moment? Oh, do you know what? That's a great question. You're putting me. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, yeah, I wouldn't enjoy it a lot. Of, a lot of when I played, you know, we we were the underdogs, so we had to defend. You know, my job was was marking. You know, I had to stop Gary Neville getting forward, Lee Dixon getting forward, Gary Charles getting forward. You know, I had to stop. You know, there. You know, so if if we were playing, you know, some type Everton, Liverpool, you know, sort of Limpar, Kanchelskis, you know, Overmars, you know, I had to double up. Crikey, put, putting or, out some names there, John. Crikey, <laughs> tell you yeah, what. But, but do you know what? What we had to do was double up. My job was to help Shawsy or whoever was playing left back. You know, and if I could get forward and get two or three or four or five crosses in, yeah, and and, and that that was. That that was the truth of it. I had to do a job for the team, and what you had to do was, you were you were desperate to break out of that those, that shackles and and get forward and, you know, love you know you you think about you watch football and all the pretty pictures and you see yourself going forward, but the truth is you've got to be disciplined and organised and, and play for the team and, you know, you sort of we played that four four two where 
you know, you played in pairs. Now, you know, I watch the team now, and you're right, it is a, it is very pragmatic, dogmatic. And they have to grind results. And you've got Schlupp tucking in, you've got MacArthur and, and, and Kiate and Milivojevic. They're, they're solid. And, and that's how we get results. You know, you you can't leave Wardy exposed or, or Van Arnold too exposed and, and the centre-halves. And you, you, you make it organised and rigid and hard for teams to break down. And, you know, you see Will's frustration and Andros Townsend's frustration. You know, Max Mayer's not really getting a chance because we don't play enough. He wants to play as a 10 you know, more as a, you know, as a seven or an eight, you know, coming in and joining and playing some pretty pictures. But Roy knows what, what we've got to do to get results. And he sets us up to get results. Um, and as much as it, it is, I mean, I'll ask you the same question. I, I just think it must be so hard. Um, as much as we're in the Premier League, you know, for seven years running and you want to pinch yourselves. But, you know, would you want to see a little bit more open football, even if we maybe lost a bit more? Well, that, that, that was the difference between us and Leicester, I think. They've, they've got three or four players who you mentioned. When they get the ball, they're happy to go forward with it. MacArthur, brilliant at blocking, brilliant at getting forward and tackling, brilliant at winning the ball sometimes in the opponent's penalty area. He's industrious. But he's not one of these players who'll pick up and run with the ball. Leicester no. had those three or four players. Any one of them could have carved for us, and they were good at passing. That's what we're lacking. And, and us fans, although we haven't seen him, kind of see Camarasa as possibly being one of those players that can unlock yeah. opposition defences when when uh, Sacco or Cahill was looking for movement. Yeah, I like him. Very I like yeah, I think he's a good player. He's talented. And he can offer that. But the problem is, it's the classic, I mean, it's the classic catch-22, you know, for what you give going forward, you know, might leave yourself open. I mean, those lads... Look at the lads we got, Milivojevic, MacArthur, McCarthy, you know, Kiate, you know, they work their socks off and that's what they're good at. You know, they're disciplined and even Schlupp's learned to do that. So it leaves, you know, Townsend and, and, and Wilfred very frustrated and it, it is hard to watch. Um, I didn't think we had enough invention on set pieces and making the most of throw-ins and, you know, sometimes we've got to get up there and then make the most of sustaining pressure in in their half and try and get a goal but that's that's really the football we're playing that is all we you know that is what we're about is is keep things tight be organized disciplined and hard to beat and and hopefully you look at the West Ham result we just kept going and you know second half we came to life we should have been three down just kept believing and going uh, and when we do have that little bit of belief and a bit more um attacking intent you know we're, we're dangerous um as I say probably just need um, a striker that, that's firing, you know, some life in, you know, sort of Benteke to come good in AU. I don't even think there's an option of playing two up front at times to, to give us that little bit more. So, you know, we just need a bit more from certain areas to give that belief throughout the whole team, if you know what I mean. But you can't question, you know, sitting where we're sat at the moment with the points we've got. Is it six, 16 or 15 or 16 points? It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, you mentioned the points. Um, I mean, if we win, if we beat Chelsea, we could go up to fifth place. If we lose, we could go down to 15th. Realistically, what do you think Palace, Palace's expectation should be from now on um, till the end of the season? For, always for me, it starts off with staying in the Premier League. And mm. I'm sure that's the same for Steve Parrish and Dougie and Roy and, you know, all the boys there. And, you know, you've got you've, that's where we are. I mean, we haven't got, you know... 40, 50, 60 million pounds to go and spend on players to bring in, you know, Yuri Tillemans is class, mm -hmm. you know, Madison, 22 million from Norwich. You know, the thing is, we, we, we could have had 
um, Madison before he went to Norwich. You know, he went to Coventry, and they're the sort of players. I mean, the one thing that does disappoint me a little bit, and I think Palace have got, we've got to be, and where our lifeblood's got to be is academy spotting players and bringing talent in. And you know, we really haven't had too much um, coming through. Um, and really spotting players and picking players up for four, five, six million and turning them into 20, 30, 40 million pound players. You know, Aaron Bissaka came through and he just blossomed. I mean, incredible. And Wilfred and, you, you know, we need to be having more and more of those players coming through. And I'm sure they're working really hard behind the scenes to, to produce that and to get that. But we're not, never going to be a club that, that is going to go out and spend, you know, loads of, lots and lots of money. You know, Schlupp was 12 or... But Arnold came, I don't know, for six. And, you know, you get Tompkins on a free, Cahill on a free. And, and that's where we're going to live, isn't it? And, and unfortunately, we need to say, right, we've got to go and spend 12 million, 15 million on an Andre Gray or a, or a Callum Wilson or a Josh King. And, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, people are talking about him and he's going for 40, 50 million. But we can then reinvest that 50 million um, unless we get, you know, a billionaire come in and give us loads of money. So... Roy's just working with with the tools he's got and he's doing a great job. John, it's been great having you on, boss. Before you go, it is Chelsea this weekend. Any particular personal memories for you at Stamford Bridge? Do you know what? My best memory and the one I'm, uh, you know, when I was first team coach in the 15-16 season, we went there and we won 2-1 against the Jose Mourinho side and, and, and... that was sensational. We, you know, we won at Anfield that year. We won at, old, you know, at the bridge. Um, and all the fans, you know, sort of there. And, and they're, they're special moments. And, and you know, you, you can never forget those moments when you win uh, in front of a packed-out Stamford Bridge. And I can remember going in the, you know, having a glass of wine with Jose Mourinho. And he was livid with, you know, a few of his players. But I was just sitting there going, yeah, right, yeah, we've turned you over. It's, it's a great feeling. Brilliant. So, I'm still holding on to that one. So hopefully we can do that again. We've been doing well there, I think, last few years, haven't we, at the bridge? It's not been the worst record, yeah. Let's put it that way. No. Lovely stuff. John, thank you very much for joining us. So, guys, great show. Thank you for having me on. Cheers. Cheers. John Salako, what a top bloke he is. Great player, great man, great servant to Crystal Palace. Right, this is the Crystal Palace fan show on Love Sport. Next up, we're going to be delving into the academy. From Ali to Zaha, we've got it covered. Love Sport Radio. Have you had enough of extortionate rises when you renew your insurance? You could be saving big money by switching to a cheaper deal. A spokesman said.com compares all the best deals on car and home insurance to find you the one that saves the most cash. Go to a spokesman that said.com and start saving today. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, stepping in for Charles Hawkins for one week only. Joined, as ever, by the boys from the Back of the Nest podcast, James DR and Nick. And guys, we are going to have a bit of academy chat now because the club has revealed plans to develop its academy site in Bromley in an attempt to secure Cat 1 status in time for the start of the 2020-21 season. Plan of permission subjective. However, that's pretty positive news, Nick. Yep, the people living on Copers Cope Road have all been met. Apparently, they're they're not too fussed about it. They like having a a club in the area. Um, what they've done is they've it's it's kind of on two sites. Um, one that they've been using as the main one. There was a goals uh, six aside place there mm-hmm. that we've we've bought, and also a, a fantastic children's play area called Gambardos, which unfortunately is going to close now luckily my kids have all grown up but spent many a many a sunday afternoon there so really and truthfully there wasn't really anywhere else that they could have gone and bought land you know they're, they're having trouble trying to find somewhere to put a stadium weren't they yeah i mean winding the clock back that area was all used up by the, the banks um right and the banks i mean i work in the banking industry i i i, I know this for a fact so i i used to play cricket and, and football for a certain uh, insurance company actually so insurance companies and banks used to use these grounds and over time the the banks have been sort of cutting back on these sort of costs and you know subsidizing their staff using sort of playing football at the weekends and cricket and whatever which is which i think is a real shame but that that's the way life is you know it's the the the, 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 ma- the main goal is to, to to increase the share price and if they can cut costs they'll cut costs and then that way so the area has become available um bit by bit and there is a as, as we said is a, a large expanse of area which which has got is even got a county cricket ground on one side um and it is a fantastic opportunity because it is it is it is going to cover and i mean I, I could count probably about eight pitches maybe in that, yeah. in that, in that area and i think the, the club has realized that you know this, especially this Wambasaka, you know how much money we made in just the space of Absolutely. one season—fifty million. And I look back, and I, I'm, I hold my hand up, and I say, "No, he should have gone for seventy, eighty million. But when you look at it, and you think to yourself, "Well, actually, he did only have one season. You know, what if he did break a leg, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera? So you know, you have to think. Surely, this is the way to go. That, that you know, if we've got the area, we've got the the the, the support and the money to do that maybe we should go down that road. Yeah, the thing is, you, you mentioned Aaron Wambisaka. He's a local lad. He went to Man United because he supported him when he was a kid. Now, we've been in the Premier League for seven years. If we can establish a Category 1 training facility, we've got a massive catchment area around Croydon. Absolutely huge. I think it's one of the biggest ones. If we can stay in the Premier League and start attracting these young players there... Then maybe the new players come through won't want to go to Man United because they're actually Palace fans because we are so established and and doing better. So I'm hoping that the the time, the seven seasons in the Premier League that John Salako mentioned, will will help us develop a little bit more without players just seeing it as a stepping stone. I think the most important thing is the fact that in South London, if this does happen, we'll be the only club in with Category One status. And if you look at London as a whole, there's massive clubs like Chelsea. You look at Chelsea's academy, Arsenal's academy, and you see so many people from South London 
ended up going across the border, going to North London, for instance, or West London, because they have the better facilities and the development. They know that it'll be better for the development. But now, if this happens, as you said, the catchment area in South London is massive. But I mean, the the players that we've got as well, the development for them will be massive as well, because they'll be facing better opposition by being in Category 1 Academy. Um, um, you know, right now, of course, the opposition is... You wouldn't say... You wouldn't say it's bad, but I mean, it's average. But when you go to Category 1, it's very good. And for Roy Hodgson especially, he could see, you know, he could go to these games and say, you know what, they're facing good players. And he stood out that they maybe I should include him in my squad. I don't think that's going to be the case for Roy Hodgson because I don't think he has many much trust in youth from his selections from before. Yeah. But I mean, it will help them one way or another. And I think it's just, there's no real cons to it. When... Uh we were in the championship last three or four seasons of being in the championship a lot of stock was made of the local lads who were on there it was south london and proud uh we had sean scannell we had nathaniel klein we had uh victor moses mm. we had wilf zaha and a couple more from the area that came through the academy hopefully now if we go category a we're going to get that again but it, it's the diff it's the difficult question of do you chuck somebody in at the deep end and you look at Chelsea now who we're playing at the weekend we used to mock them for putting players out on loan those players have come back very well hitting the ground running now last season we'd have said oh they'd never get a chance in that Chelsea team uh, the transfer bans really helped them and it's helped those players and actually maybe it should say to other managers these youngsters are quite good and they do give you something different before it's kind of coached out of them mm. that unpredictability but I think our if you're looking at our academy, I don't want we overhype players in a way because of our because of our past and all the Zahas, the Kleins, the Wampasakas. I mean, I'm not saying that oh our academy players are bad, but are they actually Premier League standard? Um, that's another question as well. I'm, I mean, you look at the academy and who do you think would come into Palace's side right now? Right. I can't think of anyone in particular and that's what frustrates me a bit. I mean, in our fan base, we like to look at the academy and look at our previous um, successes and just say, all right, fair enough, we should have a couple academy players in our squad. But right now, I don't think they're up to that standard. But then again, as I've said, if the actual competition improves, then then players will improve as well, naturally, but by facing better players. So it's, it's good. It's positive. Uh, but I still feel like in January, the club has to do... A massive thing by learning out more academy players because this summer was very quiet and it hindered the development which they came out publicly speaking about it James the only downside for me is that I know that we did a deal didn't we to get part of the sale on Wan-Bissaka payment paid in advance um, and I was hoping that maybe that money was earmarked for a player in January but it appears that that money might be used for this development of the uh, academy and the, and the grounds uh, so yeah, on balance, you, you, it, it's going to be a long-term thing where we're going to hopefully improve um, the youngsters that come through. It's going to take time, but the flip side is: does that mean there's less money for us to spend in January? That's that's what concerns me. That's the tough element, isn't it? That's where you almost have to bite your lip, grit your teeth as a fan, and go, "Right, we're not going to spend in January," which arguably we really need to, but. In 10 years, we might bear the fruit of this investment. So it's quite difficult, isn't it, to, to look yeah. at it that way? I felt there was some frustration coming through in Roy Hodgson's press, um, what is his after-match report. Um, 
and he is coming across as if like, well, this is the best you're going to get out of us. You know, this mm. is the team. This is the squad I've got. Uh, I, he knows and he's told everyone and we're all aware that he should have had a striker in the summer. He didn't get one across the line. We never replaced Batch Y, um, who was on loan, arguably, but it was still a striker that was scoring goals. Um, we've still stuck with a couple of strikers that are either injured or not scoring. Um, and it's all very well having this academy and, and planning for the future, but we're here right now, you know, if, if we don't survive in the Premier League, then <laughs> there's no point having a super-duper academy if we're in, you know, don't, League Division 1 or 2. Don't you think we could survive with the squad, though? Like, right now, let's say we let's say we bring in no one January and let's say Wilfred Zaha stays and it's the same exact squad. Don't you think that we could survive in the Premier League? For this season, I mean, we've had a cracking start, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it only takes an injury to, to Jordan Ayew and, and we are in real trouble. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, yeah, but look at the, the other teams in the league. We're not famous last words, but there's there's at least eight more teams, eight teams that are worse than us this season, I think. Interesting. Well, it is 34 players in the last 15 years who have come through and made at least one appearance for the club. So, hey, and like you say, Wolf Zaha, massive one. Aaron Wambasaka, Nathaniel Klein, John Bostock. Anybody for anybody? Remember Either him right? coming on? <laughs> At Forest now, isn't he? On loan. Has he gone from, back there? From yeah. Toulouse, yeah. Okay, we're going to look ahead to the Chelsea game next on the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. The Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport. We've got about nine minutes left of the show. So it's the perfect time to look ahead to the weekend's clash with Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. The early kickoff, gents. Now, I like Saturday morning early kickoffs. I'm very much a traditionalist so I'm I, I prefer the 3pm Saturday afternoon for every single game but on Saturday morning I work late on Saturday night so it's quite nice to just sort of mosey out of bed a bit later and just curl up on your sofa and watch a bit of Premier League football yeah but for the paying punters we don't know when to eat sure when do we have our lunch it's like <laughs> all these lunchtime kickoffs are great yeah unless you go and you have to eat these tea time kickoffs are great yeah unless you want your tea because you're at the game um, yeah it's always still find it funny the early kickoffs yeah I don't like the 12, 12 o'clock ones. Um, we got, I remember going once to a 12 o'clock and it was a, a corporate hospitality and we were gutted because it meant that we didn't get a lunch. We got a I mean, late breakfast oh. because you always have it two hours before the kickoff. So it's like 10 o'clock and then you're always like reluctant to have a have a beer or too much of a beer not, in the morning. Not with cornflakes, no. No, so uh, <laughs> I'm not a great fan. Uh, and then it's if we beer. lose, it ruins the rest of the day. At least we lose <laughs> at three o'clock, it's only in the evening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean... Yeah, that's. I think that's the only positive out of it. If you win, yeah. you start the day off. Your yeah. day settles off brilliantly. But if you lose, it's like, what on earth is going on on a Saturday? It's like it's not even three o'clock. You're just all moody. But going into the game, I don't. I don't know how to feel about it. It's just, I'll. I would feel optimistic, but it's just. It's the fact that we've conceded three goals in two games from corners that slightly worries me. It's like we're. I, We've been a good defensive side and that's what we've leaned on so many times. And going to away games against top six opposition, that's when we play our best because of how we defend as a team and how we counter. But I'm more worried about going into, oddly enough, I'm more worried about our defensive um, contributions rather than attacking one because we've conceded very silly goals. Considering what we've just said about the lack of strike force. Exactly, yeah, yeah because I feel like it, the game will open up a bit. It was, of course, Chelsea are going to come up Hurlis and they're going to put men forward. So... I feel like likes of Zaha, they'll, he'll get his chances, um, whereas he didn't get against um, Leicester. But 
it's it's the fact that they're going to put so many numbers forward. Are we going to be disciplined enough? And I mean, is if, if you look at the goals that we've conceded, especially the first one, it it goes down to communication. Are we going to actually communicate and do what we do best? Because we just seem like over the last few games we're lacking a bit of communication from the backline and opens up the question who starts alongside Cahill because I think many would agree that he starts but we're not too sure if it should be Tompkins if it should be Martin Kelly if he's fit Sacco he's a brilliant defender as well I don't know what you guys think well yeah I, I think the best pairing we've had all season is Gary Cahill with Martin Kelly mm. I think that pairing was fantastic and it's it's unlucky that, that Martin Kelly got injured and if he was available I would look at him coming back because uh, we are very vulnerable now from set pieces, especially corners, and they're picking up on it on the TV. And, you know, Chelsea and other teams will, will now really, really exploit us. We will be nervous and apprehensive, and, and it's going to be a worry, and we need to get through that, and we're going to have to be very, very tough and organised at the bank. Also, Wilfred Zaha, I don't know if you guys saw it today, but there's a link that if Chelsea's ban does get lifted that might come for him in January. Um, it's going to be a big game for him. I mean, we haven't... Against, against Man City, he had a quiet game. Um, Leicester, he wasn't that good as well. But I feel like at Leicester, it was a bit different because um, he just got outnumbered and he needed a bit of, help, bit of help. But going to the Chelsea game, maybe a bit of pressure on him as well to perform because if, we, if we're valuing him around the 60 to 70 million region, realistically... He hasn't been worth that when you're looking at him so far this no. season. So he needs to pick it up if he wants that move on to the next level. And yeah, I think both sides will win. But the danger, the danger of that is, as I've said on here before, as soon as Will Wilf's in the spotlight, his game goes to pot. We had that about four weeks ago. We said, oh, he's come good again now. That's because mm. the window's a long way away. Mm. He knows who he's playing for. He spoke last week. Uh, I can't remember who it was with. But he said he's really happy at Palace. Steve Paris said at the weekend before the game, offers came in, they weren't good enough. They're only going to accept offers from Champions League teams mm. and only if those offers are good enough. Yeah. Um, they didn't get any offers good enough from one Champions League team and that was it. I think Chelsea, all round, for us, for them, that could be the deal that makes it because they've got a couple of players that yeah. we would be interested in. We all know that, don't we? Oh. You know, Giroud and, and Batshuayi, we would be interested in. Zaha would be definitely be interested in going to Chelsea because obviously they could become top four and get in playing into Europe. And they've got the money, hopefully, to, to spend. And Parrish will be interested in selling if he can probably get anything north of £60 million. How, mu how much would you... Let's say they offer us Batshuayi. How much would you, um, would you want for Zaha... Um, money plus Batshuayi. Yeah, so if you're looking at Batshuayi, I'd probably value him at about 25 million, maybe 30 at, at push. So if we've maybe last season, I would have valued Zaha between 70 and 80 million. Maybe I was a bit over. You know, this season I don't think he's he's playing as well. Mm. I'd probably value him at about um, 60. So. Yeah, so knock off 25. Um, we're looking at about 35 million plus a player, yeah. But do you, do you, so do you think that value can plummet so much? I mean, that's what, 20 or 10, 20 odd million in mm. the space of 11 games for someone like Wolf Zaha? And do you also not think he would be deemed surplus at Chelsea when you look at what they've got in terms of Callum Hudson Adoy, Ruben Loftus Cheek, of course, to still come back in, Pulisic, players who occupy those positions, Willian? who's starting to play slightly better this season. Oh, I absolutely agree with you, totally. Mm. But that is down to the player. Everyone else that's involved in this deal 
you know, unless well, I suppose Chelsea have, a, have an added interest. But to be honest with you, the owners or the manager don't mind him being a squad player. It's the player himself. Mm. Does Will want to go somewhere where he's going to probably be, as like you say, in and out of the team most of the season? And I agree with you. I, I honestly think he's good enough for Palace to play every week, but I don't think he's good enough to play every week for a top five side. I don't know what the others think. I'm just going to interject here and say <laughs> this is all stuff and nonsense sure. that's been dreamt up to fill in the pages of the paper just because we're playing Chelsea. And here we are, like the suckers we are, talking about it, when actually we need to be thinking about Zaha, what, he's gonna, what damage he's going to do on Saturday. We'll worry about January when it comes, but at the moment he's our player. Let's focus on what he can do for us. He hasn't done much damage, though. That's the thing. That's what we're talking about. He hasn't done. He's being realistic. Yeah, really, like realistically, he hasn't done that much damage. I mean, has, I think he's got a goal or he's got an assist. That's it this season. I mean, Zaha does have to pick it up. As much as I love Wilfred Zaha, yes, I remember a couple of weeks ago when we were facing Norwich and Wolves, he did. But this is the most important games. Like when we're facing big size and you want that big move, then you have to come up big because against Man City, especially Reims, Reem Sterling. Yes, he was brilliant going forward, but his effort tracking back and getting even tackling Wilfred Zaha was brilliant as well. And that's what managers want to see. And we didn't see that from Wilfred Zaha against these big sides. And that's the disappointing thing. So this is a massive game for Wilfred Zaha. He just needs to step up and show his worth, I think. He does. He does. Sorry, Nick. Have you got a last point to make on him? Uh, yeah, where do you think he'll play him? Up top or on the wing? i play him on the wing. Jordan I up front. Nice. Nice and easy. Well, he did have a very good game at Stamford Bridge back in April 2017. Of course, John Solarco alluded to the relatively good record mm. at the Blues over the past few seasons. In the past four visits, lost the previous two, but then won the two before that. The most recent of those was that 2-1 victory, the crazy game that was like three goals in 11 minutes. Chelsea went ahead through Fabregas and then Will Zaha and Christian Benteke, who since has managed to score nine goals since April 2017. What's he worth now? Mm, yeah, indeed. Right, fellas, it's been an enjoyable hour with you all. I'd just like to get your predictions before we go. Nick, I'll start with you. We're going to lose 3-1. Oh, OK. Great. <laughs> good start. <laughs> I never get I never get predictions right. OK, good. What, <laughs> yeah. I'll go with 1-0 Palace and Wilfred Zaha cutting in from the left-hand side. James? I think we'll lose 3-1. Okay. <laughs> well, on that note, gents, we will be tuning in, of course, and it will be the Crystal Palace Fan Show next Tuesday at 8 pm on Love Sport. We will see you then. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Oh. 
Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.